Hello recovery seekers and welcome to today's episode on recovery from fragmented families podcast. For today's guest I have Priscilla Conaway. Now Priscilla Conaway is only here to share a story of estrangement. Uh, Priscilla had a fragmented relationship with her father which later on in her 20s became completely estranged uh, from her father and her half-sister. She just literally sharing that story. She's taking you from a journey from fragmented to complete estrangement. I always say that sharing is caring. When we share our stories, it helps others to identify with us and to enable them to feel less alone and to also find a coping mechanism that other people have used to overcome such adversities. Now, I always say that I wish I could predict the future or even control it, the the future, but I can't, neither can you, right? This means we are left to manage, adapt to, and survive whatever that does come on our way. And um, it is is for this reason I emphasize on us sharing our stories of overcoming, because at any given day, somebody's faced up with a challenge that they never had yesterday whether it's for their own doing or doing by other people. And we are often left to pick up the PCs or the cards, right? So welcome to today's episode where you get to hear Priscilla's story and I hope it resonates with you. Oh, and by the way, guys, um, I have a forgiveness journal, which I have published. It's available on Amazon. If you're finding yourself in a state where you are unable to move on and you're holding on to... Um, hurtful experiences caused by other people even yourself and you're struggling to let them go so on the show notes of this episode there's a link to my amazon journal by all means go and purchase it and i've also um have a link to my private facebook group and uh, you can also join that group too it's a group specifically for people who've experienced family estrangement whether you walked away or people walked away from you you are welcome to join uh, thank you very much and enjoy the episode Hello guys, welcome to this week is amazing episode. I have an incredible guest. She's here to share her story. Um, her name is Priscilla Conaway. And Priscilla is just simply sharing her story of estrangement. What's interesting about Priscilla, she also has a podcast. Um, she's not a coach, she's not a counselor, she's not a therapist, she's not a doctor, she just has a podcast where she just connects with the people on stories, with everyday stories to do with being a mom, a wife, and just navigating life with so many obstacles around and how do you navigate those mom guilt, what to do or what not to do. So she has very candid conversations about all these things on our podcast. And our podcast is called Confessions of a Mama Brain. Priscilla is right here and I'm gonna let her introduce herself as well. So welcome Priscilla. Hi, thank you. Thank you. Well, hello, everyone. Um, Yes, I'm Priscilla. Um, I'm very excited to be here today and just us connect and just mesh this. This is awesome. And and hopefully you guys listen to my podcast too and and definitely have uh, Miriam on there and we'll have an even more connection. So I'm just excited. (laughs) I'm excited to be here. (laughs) Oh, fantastic. I'm excited that you're here. So (laughs) I have this saying that sharing is caring. And the reason why I say sharing is caring is because often people can feel alone when they go through certain circumstances. And because they feel alone, they feel alienated, they feel different. 
But I do believe that when we share our stories of certain obstacles and things that we faced, it allows people to connect with us and identify with us and actually feel less alone. And again, this is why I have Priscilla here because she herself has a story of estrangement. She has been estranged. Um, I'm not going to get to the details of her story because I'm going to let Priscilla tell the story herself. So Priscilla, are you able to briefly share about your stories of family estrangement, your experiences? Yes, definitely. Yes. And I have to agree with you. Um, I think when you hear somebody's story and you almost hear, you almost see yourself if you connect and not only do we not feel, do we feel less alone, but we also feel seen. And I think that's one big thing of being humans that we want to be connected, but we want to be seen, um, whether we realize it or not. And um, as scary as these, these life struggles have been for me, as, as it still can be very triggering for me, even just talking about it, I'm, I'm not scared to, to share it um, just because I want someone out there, even if it's just literally one person that says, I, I get it. I, I feel the same way or I went through it. Oh my God, I'm, I'm really not alone. Like this, this happens to somebody else that that alone just does something to my soul. Um, yes. <laughs> so yes, well, I'll talk about my little backstory. Um, my, um, I have a huge estrangement and a fragmented relationship uh, with both my biological father and um, one of my half sisters. Yeah. And um, I feel like it's always been that way. Now, um, my mom met my father, I think she was like 15 or 16. Um, she was quickly, she quickly got pregnant. Um, and he wasn't an active and wasn't active in my life until I was about three years old. Um, from three years old on, he was there. It was just, I always remember it being very awkward. It was yeah. almost like visiting a warden. There was never, it was a huge disconnect. Even at nine years old, I remember just brushing my hair and my father would look at me and it would just be this this disdain, this, this resentment, you know, it was always yeah. awkward. Um, my biological sister and I um, were literally 18 months apart and you think would be, we'd be so close, but we were never, ever, it was very, very weird. I felt, I always, always felt like an outsider. I, yeah. as my biological father would put it, I resembled a lot of my, like my mom and mm -hmm. my mannerisms anywhere I talk. So anytime I, you know, I'd be around him or his family, I just, I was constantly reminded how different I was from them, mm -hmm. whether they mean to do it or not. My, I, I personally feel that with my sister and my biological father, they're very close one for many reasons. I mean, she is literally his mimic, mm -hmm. um, but she grew up with him. You know, she, he married her mom. Mm -hmm. um, she was raised by him. I didn't get to um, uh, experience any of that. So that already, that already um, started a, a uh, continued disconnect between our between us you know just mm -hmm. having that established um I noticed that through the years you know even even with that I, I still wanted to be around him I still yeah. had the weird need of I don't want to say weird but this just this childlike need of wanting to be accepted by my dad and be liked and you know my mom would was always very supportive of uh, me going to visit him if yeah. when we lived in Florida and he lived in New York um she never said, you know, just give up. He obviously doesn't like you or mm. you guys don't get along. It didn't matter. No matter how many times I cried or, oh, he said something to hurt my feelings. I still, still kept, I still wanted to 
this connection, even after having, a, you know, more than one stepdad and stuff like that, it was, it was mm-hmm. my father and try to do it with my sister. And, and I noticed the harder I would try, the further they would push away. So, so uh, how, how old were you at this point when you kept notice the how did you try them all the moved away? I want to say it didn't really kick in until my 20s, I want to say. Yeah. Um, at that time, I just thought, I knew he didn't like me very much. And I was always somehow getting on his nerves. I was walking on eggshells. So yeah. I just felt more like I just, I, my dad, I couldn't understand my dad or he didn't get me. I didn't see it as maybe this person won't, doesn't love me. I, I didn't, I didn't have that acknowledgement until my 20s. I remember yeah. I had sat down and had conversations with him like an adult. I, I, I cried to him. I wrote letters just to yeah. explain to him, like, this is a huge disconnect. Can we talk about the fact that maybe I am just, I represent some time in your life where you weren't very proud of it, where you weren't the well-to-do police officer that did everything right, you know? And I, and uh, unfortunately my father definitely didn't said things to make me feel like that. I was like this stain that he couldn't get off, you know? Yeah. He, he was good in paper. He paid his bills. He checked on everybody in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. He was a, an officer. Like he was just, he looked, he was totally shiny. And I feel like my reminder, my actual existence mm-hmm. was, was a, was a dirty spot that he couldn't get rid of, that he couldn't hide. Um, mm. And I remember have, trying to have these convers- these very difficult conversations with him to, to clarify, you know, to, mm. to tell me I'm wrong, you know, to, to tell me, no, this is not, I mean, you're my daughter. I remember it no matter what, no matter how I tried to communicate with him, it was always the same answer. It was, yeah. oh, you're crazy. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Not like, no, you're crazy. I love you. You're my daughter. It was more like, I have no idea what you're saying. You're, you're out of your mind. Oh. Like it was just, I don't even want to even say denial, Maryam. Mm-hmm. It was more like a just no, no recollection of no recollection, no acknowledgement. And I think sometimes we know that as gaslighting these days, isn't it? Yes, and I, and I did not know that. In, uh, yes, thinking about it now, absolutely. And and I feel like in, I don't want to sit here and just and just constantly complain about the man. It's mm-hmm. he he paid his child support. He, mm-hmm. if I needed money, he helped me with money. He, he would send birthday presents. You know, he, he was my dad. Mm-hmm. There wasn't, I'm not trying to, I don't want to sit here and say that there wasn't any good times. There was, I, there were great times. There were times where I was yeah. like, man, I, he, I really get him or he really gets me, but it wasn't enough to really call it a relationship. It, mm-hmm. In those little moments, if you bundle them all up, it wasn't a full-blown relationship so there was more uh, negative experiences although there were elements and episode of pleasant experiences but collectively the negative experiences stacked up a lot higher in a pile in comparison to the positive ones exactly and the negative experiences had a lot more weight onto them because he sometimes he leaves you questioning are you going crazy and am I oh my god you know yes and did you pick up any discrepancies the way he treated your sister to how he treated you like the way right oh Oh, and I remember thinking like I have to be really dramatic I'm just I'm just such a sensitive person because in my family I'm more the sensitive one um but no, I would even ask friends that were around me, like if I, so, so they can meet my dad, 
they noticed the friction. They noticed the difference, the way he would speak with me and speak to my sister. And it's just like, on top of being sad, I was grateful, relieved that it wasn't in my head because my father spent a lot of time. And I don't think he was ever aware of that, of making me feel like my feelings, not only were they just not valid, they were just mm-hmm. non-existent. Wow. Um, but it, yeah, we would take trips. There was one particular time, uh, mm-hmm. 11 years ago, we took a trip to Jamaica. I was so excited. It was the three of us. Mm-hmm. I don't know what got into him. I don't know if he had a midlife crisis at that moment, but he wanted to take a random trip. And I was yeah. like, this is it. This is where, this is, mind you, this is over 10 years ago. And I was like, this is where we finally going to have a relationship and it's yes. going to be great. And we're going to talk about this for years to come. And I remember there were laughs. I still have those pictures and I look at them and it's just, I yeah. remember feeling so sad and so alone. Whatever I did, whatever I said, it was a nuisance to them, to both of them. Um, wow. They didn't get my joke. Uh, they didn't see it the same way I did. I, I, they dismissed whatever I said. I was like, my God, this is, we're supposed to be on a beautiful island on a trip here together. And they can still make me feel like I am small, small and, and non-existent. Yeah. And it's just, I didn't understand. I didn't know what was worse mm-hmm. feeling that way or, or the fact that they didn't realize they were making me feel that mm. way. It's like, it just, it was not, it was not organic. It was not real. And, yeah. and I was hoping that things would change. Now, fast forward to a few years later after that. And yes. I, um, I realized it was, I had like this weird epiphany. I was like, I, I don't want to live in Florida anymore. I'm not supposed to be here. I'm supposed to be somewhere else. I just had this weird mm-hmm. feeling. Like it was just, and I remember it was a year. It was a year I, I let go of my apartment. I mm-hmm. moved into uh, friends' couches. I mm-hmm. applied for jobs at North. You know, maybe it's like, maybe this is God telling me that I need to be yeah. closer to my father and my, and my sister. Maybe I have to put that effort. Mm-hmm. Even at that time, I still thought it, it resided with me. Yes. To, fix something that was never even there to begin with that's mm. that's the sad part so I, the more you were being rejected the more you kept pushing oh forward yeah. if i just change this if i just do that if mm-hmm. i just keep trying but every time you tried you kept getting there knock back oh it just worse it was it was almost like a like a like a stray i was mm. a puppy and i just kept wanting him to accept me and thinking about it now, it's, it's sad because I, I could have saved myself a lot of grief um, mm-hmm. if I would have just stopped at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I remember I tried for a year and it, everything kept pointing to Baltimore. And at that time, mm-hmm. my sister, uh, my half sister lived in Baltimore. So I was like, yeah. oh my God, this is all getting all spiritual here. I was like, this yes. is this means I need to be there. Okay. I a school accepted me in Baltimore. I had a job that mm-hmm. proved me in Baltimore, an apartment I hadn't seen. I mm-hmm. was so excited. I was like, oh my God, we, yeah. we're gonna finally have this relationship. And I remember telling my my half sister, and she sounded excited, and then telling my father. And mm. I remember him saying, Why are you doing that? What is oh, the point? Wow. Uh you're going to stress your sister out and she's going to have to worry about you if you go up there and stuff like that. Mind you, she's my younger sister. So they, yeah. it was almost like I was this problem I had to be dealt with. I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to build a relationship with you. I'm trying to, to make this better. Um, and I remember when I would was applying for like, he lives in New York when I was applying for New Jersey or anywhere near New York. Oh man, 
red flags. He was like shutting it down. Nope, no, no. Find something else and blah, blah, blah. And when I finally found something and if, and I signed the lease of the apartment in Baltimore and it mm-hmm. just so happens to be Miriam, it was the apartment that my sister was living at. It was just by coincidence. I yeah. had no idea. And mm-hmm. she was so annoyed. She was so disappointed. The Mm -hmm. fact that we were going to be a building apart. And I just, I I couldn't understand it. Now I moved to Baltimore. uh, At this point, how old were you at this point? Uh, So this is, oh my God, this is nine years ago. So I want to say I was 27, 28, 27. Yeah, I was 27. Mm -hmm. Um, Full grown adult already. Yeah. And I, I was so excited to start my job. I was so excited to be near my sister. Mm-hmm. And despite all of the lack of love and the lack of respect and the lack of communication that they both mm-hmm. gave me, I was still excited to be near them. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't wait for my dad to visit us. I couldn't wait for us to, for us to do stuff. And those, that year, that first year of living there was so difficult for me. Yeah. Um, I had sold my car, so I didn't have a car. So mm-hmm. I would take the bus to go to work and stuff like that. I didn't know I didn't know a single soul. The only person I knew was my sister. sister. She made sure I didn't hang with her. In fact, her friends didn't even know she had a sister. Um, wow. It was it was so heartbreaking. It was so lonesome. And I just didn't understand. I remember I asked mm-hmm. her, I have, I have a autoimmune disease and I had to find a doctor, mm-hmm. a rheumatologist that I had to see, you know, to continue my care. Mm-hmm. And I remember it was snowing. I came from Florida. I didn't know where anything was. And I remember mm-hmm. looking at the, at the online for the bus routes and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. it was a delay because the snow was so bad. Yeah. Um, and I remember asking my sister for her car. It was an eight minute drive and she absolutely refused. Like she just, no support, it, nothing. And I remember sitting with her and asking her, what is the problem? Why? Mm. I don't know. What you're, the same thing. I don't know what you're saying. I mean, I guess I'll try, you know, I don't know what the problem is. I thought we were fine. Like it's just this, this other world that they were living at. Um, now, at this point, I wasn't talking to my mom. I remember that. I, yeah. I, I had a falling out with my mom. It was about a year and a half at that point. Um, mm-hmm. So it pushed me even further to try to grasp that connection yeah. or that, that wanting to grasp a connection with my sister and with my with my father. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, it, it didn't happen. Um, I decided to do bariatric surgery. Mm-hmm. My job, my job's insurance, um, offered it. I was very yeah. excited. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't until I went through that surgery and seeing my father and his lack of paternal feeling, wanting to take care of his kid, seeing their kid in their, in the hospital bed, like mm-hmm. now, if it was my child, Oh, yeah. forget it. I would be losing it. And his response, the way mm-hmm. he reacted, I just couldn't understand mm-hmm. how a father can can feel that way. I'm, I'll, if, if I didn't look exactly like him, I would honestly tell my mom, yeah. you got the wrong guy. He can't possibly be Cannot my father. Be. It, so what, what you, was his reaction? Like what, when, when you're in that hospital, what was it that was just like, it stood so, out so much to you to the point that when you even yeah. recollect it now, I can tell by your voice, it was. Very yeah. Yeah. So it was major surgery. It was major surgery. And yeah. they actually removed about 75% of my stomach. Oh wow! So I'm in devastating pain. I remember waking up screaming. They mm-hmm. had to give me um, 
uh, what is it? Um, Dilaudid, but it was um, in like an infusion. So it mm -hmm. was constant and I'm like throwing up. I am just miserable. I am in just this agony. Yeah. And I see him reading the newspaper in my room and he comes up to me. He's just like, I don't understand why you have to cry like this. Like, calm wow. down. They're trying to help you. You're, you're yeah. like, it was more like an annoyance. Mm. And that's when I was like, is there any like compassion, love, love compassion, compassion, sympathy? Like, yes. How can you possibly be this inhumane? In mm. fact, I didn't know till after that. The only reason he came up and he was there the day of my surgery and me getting checked in and getting registered was because mm -hmm. his girlfriend at the time kept telling him how serious it was, even though this is oh. a surgery that I had planned for seven, eight months. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that's, that was the beginning of the end that mm -hmm. looked, you know, me, me thinking about it now, that was definitely the beginning of the end. I, mm. I, it started to chip away. So that was June of 2013. Mm -hmm. Those next five months, forget it. It just all went downhill after that. I depended on myself. I only did things myself. Um, yeah. That recovery was extremely difficult for me. I was in and out of the hospital. Mm -hmm. I lost weight a little too fast. My body was in shock. Mm -hmm. um, and my big regret, I don't want to cry. <laughs> my big regret during that time, I remember my grandparents, mm -hmm. um, my grandparents had wanted to mm -hmm. uh, come up and take care of me. Yeah. Is that your grandparents from your mom's side, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. They actually raised me. In fact, yeah. my grandparents were the first people I met before my mom. My mom, when she had, she gave birth to me, she had an infection and she actually didn't get to meet me for like three days. Oh. So yeah, my grandmother was, was my, the first person. Yes. Yeah. I could imagine. Yeah. <laughs> um. I remember my grandmother was just insistent, insistent on, on yeah. wanting to be here and take care of me. And I told her, no, 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 it's okay. I'm mm -hmm. fine. You know, he, he's going to be here, stuff like that. And, mm -hmm. you know, my, my grandma has since passed and that is one of my biggest so regrets. Yes. I wish I would have said yes to her. Um, mm -hmm. because I think that process that, that weight loss journey that I went through mm -hmm. would have felt less alone. Um, mm -hmm. if they were there, that love and support that unfortunately I did not receive from my father, mm -hmm. um, I would have gotten that from my grandparents, 100%, for and sure. Even with your, at this point, when you're recovering, you were recovering near your sister, but I uh -huh. presume she played very little part in any she actually, uh, She actually never came to my apartment. She never checked in on me. She, nothing, nothing. I looking back, I'm trying to remember. I thought, of, I think I saw her maybe a few times those last five, six months, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Um, I remember when I told my dad, she can't even come and see me. Like, what is, this is insane. Mm -hmm. I just had a major surgery. And he said, and I quote, uh, you have no idea what she has planned today. She's, she's busy. Wow. I just, so that was rejection and, again and again. So initially maybe mm -hmm. if it was the distance, maybe you, you're not doing enough. So you just, and I think that's what, when we have a, when we've experienced rejection, sometimes it can lead us to have really low self-esteem, right? Mm -hmm. And oh, yeah. when you're functioning from the lenses of low self-esteem, sometimes there's not much that you don't do trying to bring balance, right? Like if I just do this, I'm not good. If I just do that, okay. but the people are doing it, they know what they're not doing. And it doesn't matter what you do because they I guess yep. somebody, they've already made up their mind, right? 
but in you because they're not saying it and I think mm-hmm. sometimes it's horrible when people come outright and say I don't want to see you but then on the flip side if somebody is seeing you they're still telling they want to see you they're doing things to give you the element of False hope hope yes yeah so yeah. It, so for more your experience it's like Yes, there was a rejection, but within those rejection, there was a pocket of hope. And it's not unusual for us to cling on to hope, especially when we want to have a particular closeness with somebody based on the title that we've given them. So we know that this person, whether they're meant to be a dad or brother, aunt and uncle, we've given them a title and that title comes with expectation and particular role they're meant to play, right? And mm-hmm. when they don't meet that, sometimes we can think the fault lies with us, that maybe if I was just smart enough, maybe if I was just skinny enough, if I was pretty enough, if I was, well, insert whatever is insecurity that you feel like you're not meeting. For you, you feel like you weren't doing enough. So you just, mm-hmm. let me move, let me get a job closer. Let me try to connect with you. But that wasn't it. It, it didn't, until the last time I spoke to him, it did, I did not understand that no matter what I was going to do, it was not going to yeah. change because it wasn't me. It, it, it wasn't, I, it wasn't the problem. Maybe I represented the problem. Maybe mm-hmm. I was a reminder of the problem, but I definitely was not the problem. It was definitely something deeper than mm-hmm. that. I just, even after speaking with, even after cutting my ties mm-hmm. with him, I was still trying to have a comprehension uh, an understanding of why he felt that way towards me. Mm-hmm. Um, after I stopped talking to my father, I I met my husband like a month later. So yeah. it happened very fast. And my husband, um, we have our oldest, he's my stepson. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I met, when I met my son and my husband told me right off the bat, whether we're hanging out or dating, mm-hmm. this is my everything. Oh. I want you to meet him. If you are not interested in any part of that then you might as well leave now because that's mm. just how it is and yeah. I completely respected that I never had dated someone with a with a child before yeah. so when I met my my son and I saw that interaction that diff that very very different interaction between mm. father and son I was still trying to comprehend how a father can feel the way he can feel so much disconnection child. yeah yeah, so I was like trying to maybe, maybe I don't get it because I'm not a parent, you know, mm. I fell in love with my stepson and yeah. I know it's not, it's not a very common, um, a stepchild, stepparent relationship because I was a stepchild and I know my stepfather and I did not love each other like that. We didn't treat yeah. each other like that. my son and I do. Um, he is my rib. He is my everything. He is my, my, it sounds like he's very blessed young boy. So I remember thinking like, how can I do everything for this kid, be in love with this kid, feel the way I do? I mean, wipe this butt, everything. I, I, I mm-hmm. fix his boo-boos like he is my child. <laughs> yeah. And I still cannot understand. Mm-hmm. I could never see myself thinking and feeling the way my father felt towards me, towards my son. There was just yeah. no way. And then I remember thinking, even then, after I stopped talking to him, I was still making excuses for him. Yeah. I kept thinking... Well, maybe because he's not biologically my child. Maybe somehow, maybe that's what it is. Maybe I just really don't understand. Well, guess what? I had two more babies after that and the feelings still haven't changed. I can't tell apart because the way I feel about the first one is exactly how I feel about two and three. And after having children that I grew and after having children that I did not grow, Mm -hmm. I have come to the conclusion that the feelings my father feels for me is just Mm -hmm. that he just 
doesn't feel that way about me. And I had to stop chasing it. Uh, The Mm -hmm. last words I said to him, he called me unstable. And the last words I said to him, thank you. Um, I I can be, uh, I can become uh, president of the United States and it's still not going to make a difference. You will always find something wrong. You will always make me feel like I am just this reminder of the biggest mistake of your life. Mm -hmm. I will no longer be a part of this. And I stopped talking to him and that's, that was the last day. Now, if one of my children ever said that to me, yeah, I would be chasing them, harassing, whatever I needed to do to be back in their lives and to yeah. explain myself, anything like that. I never got a phone call. Yeah. I, I never got, there was nothing. There was nothing for my father. And that must've been quite heartbreaking, but at the same time, it's almost like, at least now you can stop chasing. There, mm-hmm. there is no that, you know, before there was an element of little, I call it um, sprinkles where they can give you yes. a little bit of hope, but now yes. they're not there. Cause sometimes we can follow little crumbs. It's like someone leaves you little crumbs that you can pick up and it's almost like, yeah, but that's no longer. There. How did you, how did that impact you in terms of your self-esteem, self-worth, how did that impact in how you related to the world, the world outside of you and closer um, to you? On the surface, I had a lot of friends. I had a lot of lovers hanging out with people, but it was all on the surface. Mm-hmm. Nobody got deeper than that surface. Nobody yeah. knew my, my fears, my anxieties that I didn't even know it was anxieties. Nobody understood mm-hmm. my life when it came to my autoimmune disease and how I went about my day when I would have my bad days, when I couldn't walk, when I couldn't, mm-hmm. when I was in a bad state, nobody knew any of that because mm-hmm. no one knew me. And that was, so you, you kept, I think if I try to decode it, um, in a way is that you didn't know what it is about you that your father was rejecting. Yeah. Or your sister. Yeah. So I, I feel like for a long time, I rejected myself, every yes. part of myself. So, because I didn't know. What is it? Yeah. Your parent, you become almost in a state of parent. Like, is it this part? Let me not say too much because you might reject me if I reveal this part. Yeah. And that's, this is the ambiguity when people reject you without saying the words. So then you have to try to fill in the blanks. So now there's so much part of your personality or part of you that you hid. But I always say that when we're hiding so much of ourselves, we're not living authentic self. And when we're no. not living authentic self, it does something to our psychology. It does something to our soul. It does something to affect us completely because we're not living our truth. We are always hiding. And the bottom line, the, the reason why we hide these parts of ourselves is because we're scared to reveal in case we get rejection because rejection, if you got, it has a neurological basis to it. Long time ago, if you're living in, uh, you know, going back prehistoric years, yeah. rejection could have meant life or death. You know, if you've been rejected from the tribe and been shunned, you could mean you have to fend for yourself and potentially death. And our brain is still pretty much wired in that way to understand that. Obviously now rejection doesn't mean the same because for example, when you had the operation, Yes, you're by yourself, but you're still able to survive. You're still able to, to overcome. Yeah. Now, if you go back, say, 200 years ago, 300 years, if you're living in a tribal community and you have something like that where you have to rely on others yes. to survive, that could have literally meant life or death. 
And I think there's an understanding that our brain still functions in the same prehistoric way when it comes to perceiving rejection mm -hmm. as a physical manifest. It could manifest to a physical danger um, yeah. on that aspect. In, in that sense, I wanted, I didn't, I didn't, I wanted to do different than my mom. I feel yeah. like my mom, you know, she was in these situations. Unfortunately, she just had to make do with what she could and mm -hmm. whoever she could, because it was her way of escaping from that situation. So mm -hmm. I didn't want to be in this world of my father and my sister, just because I felt that, well, I'm not going to have anyone if I, if I, if I yeah. walk away or I'm not going to be able to, to, to function because this is my limited resources that I have. I, I was like, okay, well, then I guess I'm going to be alone. I had mm -hmm. rather be alone than be in that. Now, one thing that his re constant rejection did to me and I noticed, um, I'm a survivor. I am very strong and, and, and I, I say exactly how it is. And I, and I took a long time to not have people in my life just because I didn't want to be alone. I have chosen my friendships. Mm -hmm. I have let go of a lot of toxic relationships and friendships. But one thing I noticed that still I can't shrug off. Yeah. It's that, that abandoned, that, that abandoned kid more like yeah. I, I'm, I'm a, I'm an introverted extrovert. I will be friends with everybody. I will talk. I will make you feel amazing. Yeah. You know, make sure you feel loved and welcome, but in the back of my head, I'm worrying that you don't like me, that you're going to reject me. Yes. That um, am I saying too much? Am I not saying enough? Mm. So he has still installed this not good enough feeling yeah. that not, this, this technique of I'm going to love the person too much, or I'm worried yeah. I'm not going to love them enough. This constant fear of, yeah. of yeah. being left. And I don't know how to, how to evolve from that. Um, having children was the best thing that ever happened to me, mm -hmm. but it amplified, like we mentioned before, it amplified it. Mm. Adding, adding the fear of my father's rejections and the abandonment. I feel like my mom says, I overdo it with my kids. I, yeah. I don't want to say I over so you overcompensate. Them. Oh, I overcompensate. I, 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 I explain so much to them. I am constantly worried that it was that the moment when I snapped and, and, and reacted to them. Mm. That's it. That's, this is the moment where he's going to need therapy for the rest of his yeah. life because I totally screw him. Is this mm -hmm. exactly how I felt when my father said this to me? It's a, it's a constant. constant. I mean, I think what you have to recognize that you've been through something very traumatic and you start going through it at the time before you even had the language for what you're going through, right? Mm -hmm. All you knew is how you felt. And yeah. even as a child, you might, someone might not say, I hate you, I don't like you, I don't want to be around you. But we often know that sometimes actions speak louder than words and we can often understand actions. Yeah. And I have a, I have a young daughter and the way she relates with people around her is in context to how they've related to her. So if she's super friendly with you, it's because somewhere along the line, you've shown her that she's super friendly. She can be whatever she is around you. Yeah. If you've shown her you're quite reserved, she'll be quite reserved around you too. She's almost like mimic. So she's very <sighs> playful with her brothers, uh, especially with her younger, with her middle brother, because he's like the young one. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's that's the kind of playfulness they have. So she wants to be silly. She's like, I want to play with Ethan because he likes to be silly. And she she relates to people in how they've related to her in the type of relationship that they've built with her. And from young age, and you know, I love human behavior and I love to observe. So often I, I observe her, uh, you know, from a point of a very 
pure perspective because the children are very pure in how they they do things right they don't have yeah. this intent in their mind no, they don't have this enoughness yeah. yeah and I was also going to touch on another point that um I know the bit that you said you're you know you're feeling a bit stuck in terms of how do you move on from the rejection mm-hmm. and sometimes it's understanding what you've been through and I understand that is traumatic and that how that would have wired your brain so in order to overpass that, it's like now you need to rewire your brain again. Right? So it's almost like reparenting yourself. It's almost yeah. like learning how to love yourself. And so there's, yeah. there's still steps that I have to like go back. Hold on a second, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's a constant relearning. One, it's a constant relearning. But you have to understand that the, the wiring that was there, the, the wiring that you received is so concrete in your mind that that is the wiring that makes you 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 know uh, what makes us us is our memories it's the synapses that built and the neural pathways mm-hmm. and they're there they're solid right but the one thing we know about the brain studies is that we can always rewire that and it takes progress and sometimes it could just be as simple as I remember when I went through my own epiphany it was like, I, I wrote everywhere I'm enough and I was it was on my bathroom mirror it was on my bedroom you know oh, on my calendar it. I am enough, right? Because mm-hmm. the reality was I didn't think I was enough. Okay. So when you write I'm enough, your brain initially is going to reject that. It's going to be no, you ain't. Your brain is going to pluck out scenarios and situations or the mistakes you've ever done. They'll come up to your face and be like, girl, you're not enough. Do you remember when you did? You don't need an enemy to tell you that. It's your mind yeah. that will be reminding you of oh, everything yes. you've ever done, every single thing you've ever you know, so in that, uh, you know, that's where it is you to maybe forgiving yourself or forgiving others, but fundamentally start with I am enough. You have to say it over and over because the one thing we know about the brain is that you give it instructions. You have to give the direct command and instructions. So for you, you're in a, pers- in, a in a space where I am not enough and your brain will find everything around you to confirmation bias to say you're not enough. So this is where you have to tell every single day, I am enough. I am lovable. I love myself, right? And find songs that could amplify that voice you're saying. Yeah. And just keep repeating it. Have you ever wrote that I'm enough anyway? You know, no, and I should. Um, but you know, you know what's crazy? And I don't know if mm-hmm. you can agree as a mom, but I don't want my kids to ever feel they're not enough. And I try yes. so much to pump them up. My son's like, am I beautiful? Do I look nice? Am I, am I funny? Am I not? Yes. Oh my Almost, God. You're, yeah, yeah. I, I, so we put all this energy to make sure they feel like there's like, why can I do just a little bit of that to myself? Why can I yeah. write, like, like you were saying, if I write the words, I am enough immediately. I know my brain's going to try to shut it down. Oh yeah. But you did it. You didn't do this yeah. today. You didn't, you, you didn't do this to be enough. So it's just, I, yeah. I'm still, yeah. I'm still trying to navigate through that, but I love yeah. how, how our, how our mom, that's why I say it's, it's a mama brain because it's yeah. like, we put them first, even when we don't realize it. Like I'm, yes. I'm, I'm making sure he doesn't feel any shred of, mm-hmm. of the negative feelings my own parent gave yeah. me, you yeah. know, and I, I don't want my, 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 none of my sons to feel that way. The yeah. three of them are very sensitive and very nurturing. Yeah. They're very empathetic to people's emotions and they're very quick to mm-hmm. want to take care of it, want to fix the problem, want you to mm-hmm. tell them that. And, yeah. and I love that they're a perfect blend of my husband. And I. My husband, and I doesn't like to share his emotions a lot, but yeah. he loves, to, he wants to take care of me. He wants to fix whatever it is that's broken. And yeah. me, I'm the one that, that feels everything, the empath. Yeah. And that blend is, is, per, is so awesome to watch 
to my children. Yeah. And again, I'll have those moments where as beautiful as it is, as much as I love how yeah. they, they tend to each other's needs, mm-hmm. it triggers me because I think about how can my father have seen me as a child mm. as, as doesn't no doesn't matter what age as his child regardless mm. of the age in needing something or being yeah. in pain or in hurt and you not have this thing of how can i make it better for my child how can mm. i even whether that meant for you to acknowledge and talk to me i just mm. when i get frustrated with my middle child and because mm-hmm. he's the one that I spend most of the time with, you know, I'm taking him to school and I have the little baby and, and my steps and I see him every other weekend. So I don't get as much time with him, you know, Philly and I butt heads. Uh, mm-hmm. He's a debater. He wants to question everything. He, mm-hmm. I'll get frustrated and I'll snap at him and react. But immediately I have made sure to always make sure to talk to him and apologize yeah. and we talk about our feelings. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, even though I know he's, he expresses himself, he said it hurt and he, he forgave me. He's moved on. It mm-hmm. hurts me because I caused that pain, whether it was yeah. five minutes or five hours, mm-hmm. I caused that pain for him. Mm-hmm. And it's hard for me to forgive myself right away. Yeah. Um, and again, I wonder how can any parent mm-hmm. not feel like that? Any, mm-hmm. any mom friend that I have, any, any dad friend that I have, have feels the same way. And I just could not comprehend how mm-hmm. someone like my own father mm-hmm. didn't have those feelings. Didn't now, those one feelings. Can, yeah, one can hear this and say, well, you don't know what he was thinking. You know, he, mm-hmm. he, he probably was just good, but he had opportunities to express that. He yeah. had opportunities to be like, this is how I am. This is how, how we grew up. We grew up the same, it's the same culture. It was the same thing. So it's just like, it was way past of, well, I never let my dad say his side of the story. I, I, I did. Mm, you, you never did. got on that stage and, and spoke your truth. So when I chose to close that door, even mm-hmm. just talking about it, obviously now it still makes me sad and I'll get upset about it. But I know that mm-hmm. the best decision at the end of the day is to not have that person in mm-hmm. my children's lives. I yeah. cannot think for a second that my kids will have rejection or disappointment even for Mm -hmm. five minutes I would I would lose my mind there's no way I'm going to let anyone even if that person is my father have in and out their lives yeah and just disappear he he um I had mentioned before that he he, you know he reached out this year uh first was his wife then it was him and then it was my sister and both Mm. of them and I said thank you we're fine they because I still have relatives through social media that yeah. talk to them which is fine mm-hmm. I had to learn fine just don't say too much I don't want you know whatever um so they were concerned I had surgery in September and they yeah. seemed concerned and they reached out and it took me my it took me a while to respond yeah and I remember praying about it getting angry about it crying about it. I didn't know how yeah. to answer and my sister so uh, at this point it's been about eight years now since the last yeah. communication oh, yeah. and then suddenly they reached out yep. to you yeah and I just, I'm reading the words and I'm trying to comprehend it. I'm trying to mm-hmm. put myself in that state of mind of where maybe he changed. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's getting older. Mm-hmm. He has grandkids, maybe that. Mm-hmm. But I just, I could not bear the thought of giving yeah. that man an opportunity 
and yes. for him to give to me rejection answer oh yeah no mm-hmm. I was like no 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 I, I I said thank you thank you for the watch oh we're always thinking about you blah 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 and I just I couldn't respond after that I I cannot open that Pandora's box I just mm-hmm. wish and I'm okay with that decision yeah. I just wish it didn't affect me so much I still I wish I didn't still want those answers yeah. you know and I know that's what hurts. And my mom says that it, she, she's like, you have to resolve this. I wish you would talk to him and blah, 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 because I know how much you need this. I go, mm-hmm. I, I just can't. It hurts. Yeah. And I know what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. I maybe somewhat agree. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I can't, I, yeah. I can't. <laughs> I, I don't, I, I do believe that sometimes people cannot give you the answers that you want. and uh, because all closure I think often people want closure or answers and sometimes people just don't have the capacity to give that to you they don't have it now when it comes to with your dad because he treated your sister different I was going to say if he treated all Mm -hmm. you guys the same maybe he just never had the wiring to give you that the love the compassion the empathy but for him he sounds like he gave it to your sister Oh, your yeah. half-sister, not you. Because um, normally I would say that, you know, some people just don't have the capacity. You can have a dad and he shoots, they shoots, he shoots his children or a mom, her children, mm-hmm. exactly the same way across the board where there's one, two, three, four kids. So neither of them got any kind of love, any kind of affection, any kind of compassion, nothing. So then you can say maybe you can go down to yeah. how they were up, their, their own upbringing themselves. Maybe perhaps that's what reflects his, his own upbringing. Maybe he grew up in a household where there was favoritism. There was this distinguish between siblings and maybe it was a short end of the stick and now we're just reenacting because sometimes when we don't hear the trauma that we're going through, we can either repeat it or we can pass it back or pass it on. For example, you try not to pass this on to your children. You're doing everything to try to heal yourself. You're overcompensating what you didn't have because you don't want to traumatize your children the same thing. You don't want them to experience rejection. You're trying to insulate them from rejection. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, even as parents, we you know at some point our kids are going to experience rejection when they start going to awesome. school, when they start, you know, my best friends are my friend anymore. My friends, they don't want to sit with me. You know, these are the things we want to hug them out but at the same time we know they're going to experience life and I think as long as we're there to navigate them through this and I also think our kids learn from how we had the rejection you know what do they see us do when we're navigating this world of rejection what does he look like and for me I just say to my son you know rejection is going to be part of life don't take it personal sometimes depending who is doing the rejecting it can hurt more than others but just remember mm. you are enough and for me I like to tell my sons I love you because it's you. You know, like sometimes we can say, I love because you get the best grades. You're an amazing like athlete. No, yeah. I love you because you're an awesome human being. I love you because of who you are. You can strip away everything. Strip away, you're so good at IT. You're so good at sports. You're so good at this, whatever it is. That's not why I love you. I love you because you're, you know, I give birth to you and you're just this awesome person and you're this lovable individual. I love you because it's, you nothing attached to you just you and it's something that I've made sure my kids understand that from a very 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 early on I try to do something similar like that with the kids as well like like I said before when I get frustrated with the kids or I react or whatever at the end after we have that discussion and we have Mm -hmm. that 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 conversation I say no matter what I I, I love you love I love yeah. you and I chose this life and I chose you and I will always we will never go to bed angry I will always yeah. 
know, always choose you. Yeah. Um, I want them to, I want them to, to know that this life, this life is created for them. This life was chosen yeah. for them. Like they're, yes. they're what we want that they, they weren't just, we're just making do, you know? Yeah. Um, and I want them to know at the end of the day, who I really am. And mm-hmm. I don't want to pretend to be something that I am not. I, I think with my father, he, he tried very hard to perceive this, mm-hmm. this persona. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, th- I, there was very parts of him that, that he let me see very little. Um, mm-hmm. I thought people would have had a better understanding of him if he showed that. Um, mm-hmm explain better um mm-hmm. even just like an example like with my with my sister you know he he's so ashamed of the past he so yeah. doesn't want to look so negative that I remember he told if my sister really thought up until we were in our 20s she mm-hmm. thought that my my father had married my mom they got divorced and then he got mm-hmm. then he married her mom so yeah. he even he, he painted this other picture to my mm. sister instead of saying the truth. And I don't want my kids to see that um, when yeah. it comes to me or anything. You know, I might be anxious. I might react sometimes. I might be a little sensitive. Mm-hmm. I know sometimes, you know, stress kind of gets to me and, and stuff like that. But all my kid know, all my children know is, is love and support and acceptance. And yeah. at the end of the day, I want to be like, okay, well, mom was a little anxious, but she didn't pretend to be something she wasn't. Mm. She didn't hide. She didn't pretend she didn't have anxiety. She yeah. was vocal about it. She talked about her, her uh, chronic and, and mental illness. She mm. loved us. She still survived. She still yeah. supported us. She still took care of us. So I want, I want my good and my bad to show my kids mm. so they can make their own decisions about me and their continued relationship with yeah. me, you yeah. know, because I have to put effort. It doesn't matter yeah. that I'm their mom. I still see, have to put effort. I can see the transition now from when you're talking earlier, saying yeah. when you're hiding parts of your personality, part of everything, to other people because you don't want to be rejected. But with the kids, you just and your husband, you just lay there all. Like this yeah. is me. This is how I show up. Some days I'm good. Some days I'm not good. I have mental health and things happening at times. I have certain illnesses. Some days I'm going to be perfect. Some days I'm not. But you know, the one thing about that is that we are humans. What you're showing them is a proper human experience, right? That this is what they're going to encounter. They might experience some of these things themselves. They might experience it in their own partners. But it's about now you're giving them the tools in how to navigate this thing. Just because it's your season of having, um, you know, uh, you, you might be in the perfect season. And that's okay. The season will pass. Some days the season will be extremely happy. It will pass. It's just that. A person having a human experience and it's really important for our children to learn that because they you know it's, it's one thing pretending to be perfect all the time and have it all together mm-hmm. and you know with my kids sometimes I'm like oh god I feel really strange today and I'm quite open and you know sharing when it's appropriate to share uh, some things you know some things you there's sometimes we don't want to overshare too much with our kids exactly yes you know, <laughs> them with too many of our baggage but I also feel that transparency is lovely you know they have to understand that even as parents we don't always get it right and sometimes if I make a mistake I'm like oh yeah yeah I'm not very good I did I'm sorry kid and then my son be like yeah you should be you should apologize I'm okay hold on to yourself oh yeah mine my thing he was mom yeah. you didn't say sorry I'm like, you you're right say sorry yeah 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 exactly Absolutely. yeah and I wish I, if I think if my father would have seeing it that way I think if he would have 
shown more humanity and said it was okay to have these experiences and these emotions yeah it was something I wanted to hear or not I think it would have changed the course of our journey of our relationship but unfortunately it wasn't it wasn't made so I I don't want my kids to just see things one-sided I want to see all different aspects of it but I also don't want to pretend to be something I'm not just because I'm I don't want them to think negatively of me or or I don't want them to end up like me. Maybe my bad experiences will help them make better choices, you know? So I just, I, I, my father didn't even give that opportunity to do that. He didn't even be like, no, you don't know what I went through or, or this is not, you know, you, you you didn't see it like this. This is what happened behind the scenes. Never had, never. Nothing. No explanation. Nothing. Only had what I saw and what I felt and what I experienced and, mm. and it, it was real to me. Um, so I just, I, I hope that I'll thread carefully when it comes to my kids, but I always will try to be as transparent and as real as possible. I want them to know yeah. that every feeling good and bad is part of being a human mm. and I will never damage or taint how I feel about them. Mm. You know? So would you say that to you it seems like the turning point is really when you had your own family and that's when you realize actually you know we have options to be kind to be nurturing mm-hmm. to be compassionate uh, compassionate towards others especially minors because initially before you said like, oh maybe you don't understand because you don't have children but when you got those kids then it was like yeah. actually no you did it on purpose oh you did it within you couldn't show up because even then the examples were shown that your sister had the kind of relationship that you wish to have with your dad yeah but yes. even then you still kind of made excuses maybe because it was something that you were not doing right exactly. but then after you had children yourself you realize actually it's not it it's not down to the child especially when they're so they're minor themselves to be chasing an adult especially a parental figure for that matter yes and yes. And, and i and i i want i wanted to to stand for for all any type of situation, you know what I'm saying? I, I want my kids to make those choices about any type of relationship they have, yeah. you know? I yeah. don't um, explain yourself, own up yeah. to it, um, take accountability, but put effort. You know, mm-hmm. there's something that after those these last eight years, I've told myself, I want people in my life. I don't need people in my life. So Excellent, I, I love I that. Have, Oh, good. I, I even with that. my mom, my mom and my sister, I, they need to put effort. I have to put effort just because we're related. Doesn't mean that the mm-hmm. relationship should come easy. There mm-hmm. shouldn't be any work at it. No, mm-hmm. I work at it with my children. I work at it with my husband. I, I want every day for us to continually tell each other, I choose you. Yes. I choose this life and I'm going to choose working at it. Oh my and gosh. I love that. That's the difference that I've made sure yeah. to do the my father didn't do yeah and do you know what i love is the intentionality this is what i said to you like uh, when you give our brain the command because you that yes. you're giving your brain that i'm going to be intentional about my relationships right so if you so basically you're saying if someone wants to be in your life it's fine but when you're in my life well, this is how things are going to be so straight away sometimes you're actually teaching people how to treat you you're not going to be accepting disrespectful behavior anymore you're not going to be spent half in half out because you've already experienced that. So now you're going to yeah. put in the work, but you also expect other people to put in the work. And if they don't put in the work, that's fine. Off you, on your way. Yeah, there exactly. you go. Yeah. So I, I, I love that. And, and, I'm, and I'm done. I've yeah. had 
and I've had that with with past friendships too, where they've yeah. they've tried to rise from the ashes and reach out to me. And mm-hmm. I was like, it's okay. I appreciate it. Uh, this was not done, but at yeah. this point in time, this is not needed in my life. I wish you well. Like I don't have any ill feelings towards my ex-husband yeah. or any past relationships I had, but mm-hmm. I don't have any. Yeah. spot in my life for you to be in it so yeah. I, I've definitely learned a very quick lesson especially with my father and growing up that mm-hmm. you don't have you can choose your yes. environment you can choose you can. the people around you yes. you don't have to settle whether that's in a relationship romantically mm-hmm. a family or a friendship you don't have to settle this is not doing good for my soul this is not this is not helping me be a better person then I'm going to have to cut things, cut things yes, out. Yes. And I think we often settle for most people because mm-hmm. you don't have self-worth or self-esteem. So you settle for crumbs. Yeah. We think and, that's the best thing we can do. Yeah. But at the same time, I always say that, you know, if we not think when we're settling for crumbs is because we expecting our, our self-worth is external. It's what other people can bring to us. But when yes. you, from, from what I understand, you've gone through a transition where self-worth is within yeah, and once when, yeah, and once you begin to get that the self-worth is within, it's not something somebody can give you. And when you understand you're worth something, when you understand that you are made of the elements of the stars, then you say, actually, I deserve to be happy. Being happy is my birthright. Yeah. As a matter of fact, Priscilla, if you can just do me one favor, <laughs> just write, if you have a vision board, just write, being happy is my birthright. I am enough. Just write those words. Yes. Write them in your mirror. Write them on your first thing in the morning when you wake up. Have it on your drawer. Just say it and repeat it. Look yourself in the mirror. I am enough. I tell you what, when you first look yourself in the mirror and tell yourself you're enough, like you look yourself in the eye. Look yourself in your soul and say, I am enough. Right? And then you'd be like, just to understand the level of how far you've gone or how far you still need to go, just look yourself in the mirror and tell yourself that and how, mark down, pay attention to how you're feeling. If you want to jump, stop looking yourself in the mirror and be like, this is not it. It means you need to work at it. So if oh, you yeah. can't do something, just do that. Put it in front of yeah, your mirror. Just, just every day, start, I am I, enough. I am I lovable. I'm worth it. You're totally right. I need to try that. I don't, I don't give myself a lot of yeah. opportunity to really look at myself. But one thing that I'm, I'm a little, I'm, quite proud is that I know I still have a lot of working with my own self to do and and more confidence but being rejected by my father that last time gave me this awakening of self-worth and I realized after meeting my husband and having my kids it was like oh it was Mm. a big picture and all that all those times that he pushed me away. It was yeah. preparing me for something better. Exactly. Uh, when, when everything was pointing up north, it wasn't dumb. It was my children and my family that I didn't know I was going to have yet. Yes. That was pushing me to, yes. to get on that train and have those six boxes. Oh, and leave synchronicity. Me. Yes. I love yes. that. So it was, yes. It was yeah. bigger. And one thing that's what I have learned, I think more in my thirties, um, mm-hmm. is that we may not understand why that's happening. It, this yeah. could be the most terrible thing at that moment. Like, I don't see a solution. I don't see how I'm going to yeah. get out of this. Because we've been there. My husband and I have been there. And mm-hmm. it's just like, this is how, how are we going to move forward from this? Yeah. And then you do. And then something more amazing happens from that. And you're like, yeah. wow, I never thought that was going to happen. I never yes. thought 
this place was going to be where I was going to end up at. Absolutely. So I'm trying to remember that. And especially with my relationship with my family, yes. um, not take that for granted to, to remind myself that look what everything that happened to get to this point. Yes. And also I feel like all the experiences that we've had, if we use them as a learning lesson and a teaching, it can teach us a lot about ourselves and the, the areas that we need to do, the areas that we need to work out. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad you, you, t- you tend to be quite, you're very reflective. You tend to, you're a deep thinker and you're quite reflective. Yeah, I definitely think a lot. I think yeah, a lot. Yeah, yeah. I also think, yeah. yeah. So that's <laughs> what I was sure. going to ask you. So at the moment, how do you, I can see that you work on your family a lot. So how do you remain hopeful about the future and, you know, one of the things that when you're strange from family members is, mm-hmm. you know, pre- preparing yourself. For example, if you hear something like, what's going to happen if you if you hear your dad as a medical emergency or your yeah. sister for that matter? These are the kind of things that we do think about uh, when you're strange because they happen, you know, yes. life happens. So how do you remain somewhat hopeful and how do you stand your ground against people say, why don't you just make contact? Why don't you just this because you know when people don't understand that was strange me in and the, the level you had the impact on you it's very easy for them or oh, they've reached out to you why couldn't just be re- reciprocate back how do you stand firm in your decision because at the end of the day it's not just my life that said that would be affected it's mm-hmm. my children it's my husband so yeah. I have to think of them as well and as exhausting as it is, as anxious as it is, as stressful as this life can be, mm-hmm. my life is fulfilled with them. And yeah. I don't need uh, to turn any stones of possible opportunities. opportunities um, yes. I know I, I know I'll definitely have to um, come to terms with it and accept it yeah. on my own later on in life mm-hmm. um, when it comes to that rejection of my dad, because it's, it's not easy to, to process still after yeah. all these um but knowing that my kids won't feel that knowing that my kids the bare minimum they'll get is love and attention and support that's what gives me the the ground to stand on every day and be like no this is why I'm choosing every choice that I make whether it's getting Mm -hmm. them a healthy snack whether it's choosing the job that works best for our family whether it's saying no to certain family members yeah it's giving is choosing their better lives so um this is not going to benefit their life so So that's that definitely mama bear of you coming through like oh huge grizzly mama bear (laughs) (laughs) i love that and so if um a lot of people going for family estrangement uh sometimes they could harbor a lot of resentment and anger have you do you still feel like you're still in that space of resentment and anger or have you worked towards forgiveness and if you're thinking, well, forgiveness is not really for me, um, how does this manifest? What, what, in, in terms of, if you have to say in scale one to 10, 10 being extremely resentful, zero being uh, somewhat there, and maybe five is like, hmm, what would you say you are in terms of anger, resentment, and just general bitterness about the whole situation? I see a four. I say a four because I'm being realistic here. I have those feelings still, Um, but it's more sad. It's more Mm -hmm. sad and not knowing those answers. 
anger for a long time, especially the first few years, yeah. but it's no, it's still, there's some residue of that anger and, and, and resentment, but it's more just sadness. When my sons took their first steps, yeah. when, um, my little one says, Dada, the minute his father walks through the door, whether the boys did something funny and they're both laughing together. Those yeah. are moments that my, my father will never know um, yeah. that he chose to miss out on, uh, mm -hmm. whether he realized it or not. And, um, and then it makes me sad. It makes me yeah. sad for him because he's never going to know these kids and he's never going to know what it feels like to be part of our life. Yeah. So... On one final question, because I know our interview is coming to round up now. <laughs> um, it's um, so with estrangement, with your estrangement, it, it, it seems it was compound, it's compounded by scenarios over the years. So it was a, you know, that compound interest is the same thing for you. So it wasn't like one big thing. There was just so many things over yeah. the years. It was oh, a yeah. cumulative of ongoing stresses and just neglect, um, emotional neglect, complete off. neglect. Yeah. Yeah. So in the end, you're just like, no, right? So there's a woman out there or there's a man out there at beginning stage of this where you were 10 years ago. What advice would you give to this person right now? So I guess it would be the same advice you'd give it to yourself 10 years ago. What advice would that be for this person? Bearing in mind how you're feeling 10 years ago to what you're feeling now. Oh, I didn't think this question would make me cry. <laughs> um, I would give, I would say, um, before you keep pushing yourself for this love, for another opportunity for rejection, ask yourself, is this, is this going to be enough for me? If I, re if I receive it, is this going to be the love that I think it is? Uh, will I survive this if I don't get this love? And the answer is yes. Um, to take all that energy and put it to yourself. And that's the big thing I would have told myself. I would have saved myself a lot of heartache. I would have given myself a lot of opportunities to go in different, not that I regret the choices that I made and, and it led me to my children, but there were, I could have had a little easier, a little bit of an easier life, um, yes. more happier choices I could have made. Mm -hmm. If I would have put more, all that energy to wanting my father to love me and accept me yeah. to love myself, <laughs> to accept myself. Yeah. So how did you begin to get on this journey of loving you? What, what was, um, what are these practical steps that you took to get you here now? So if, uh, so somebody's like, okay, well, I need to love myself. What does loving myself look like? How does that, how does that translate to everyday action? What, what is that? It took a long time and there's times that I'll forget, <laughs> but it's, it's finding moments of my identity, um, mm -hmm. with motherhood, you lose a lot of that. Yes. Um, so little things, whether it's, I am going to take an extra 10 minutes to brush my hair the way I want it. I am going to, uh, have my 30 minutes of working out. And I told my kids, this is mommy's time. This is, this is for me right now. I have to. Mm -hmm. I, you're, you're okay. You're not bleeding. These 30 minutes are mine. It's just trying to spend these few years of taking back any little moments for myself, mm -hmm. any little moments of loving myself, um, mm -hmm. whether it's watching a show, whether yeah. I am eating a little bit of extra ice cream, it's yeah. just to show 
love and comfort to myself. Like, Hey, you're still here. I still love you. I'm still here for you. Um, to say that to myself, it it sounds funny, but it's very hard for us to do that. It's Um, self-care. Literally self-care. And at the end of the day, you know, I have my children, I have my husband, um, but we don't know what the world's going to happen. We don't know what changes Mm. we have ourselves. You know, it's, it's, we're always going to be there. And I don't want to lose that. I don't want my love for my family and my Mm -hmm. devotion for them to cause me to lose myself and and forget to love myself. Yeah. And, And at the moment, would you say you've reached to a place where you're just like, you know what? I am totally fine. Never seeing a guy who I would identify as my father and a woman I would identify as my half-sister, have you reached to that place? You'd be like, I am actually okay with this decision. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, like we said before, I don't know if like, God forbid, something happened to them or or he was dying. I I honest to God, don't know how I would feel. There's no, I have no idea. It's it's unknown and we're not going to know. absolutely unknown, exactly. Um, But yeah, um, I have a wonderful grandfather who yes I call him my dad he has been my father since literally since the day I was born and seeing how my husband loves his sons how he actually likes them how he cannot wait to be around them yes that is more than enough for me that tells me a such a reassuring feeling that those boys are never going to know what that what that doesn't like so yeah, that, oh, that, I love that's, that. That's so sorry, getting me got emotional. I love oh. that it's, uh, because so sometimes you know I would say when I my husband is a, is an amazing dad and I especially with the is obviously he's an amazing with the older boys and the young but I I just see that how he's just so intentional in, in his relationship with yes. the kids and sometimes I'm just like wow I, I love the way he loves the children oh, and I you, love the way they love him like I just it's perfectly. like we, we we constantly say you know obviously I don't get enough date nights with my husband we do, we're so busy it's just us yeah. and I miss some of that but yeah. I told him I will never feel jealous if he ignores me the whole day and it's the whole day all about the boys yes like just, just see him, especially with the younger one yeah because he's the last baby yeah I see my husband actively trying to savor those moments yes really make sure he doesn't forget it I see him with the little one I see that he's more more putty he's more he's more he 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 melts with the little one more yes. because it's the yes. last one yeah and just just because he's excited to not miss those moments, like, man, I, I, that yes. that just makes my heart burst. And again, another reason why I made such a right choice as a partner and yes. raising humans, a person to share that life with. And, and he, I yes. made the right choice um, when it came to fatherhood for my, for my children. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I, I can go to sleep at night knowing 110%. Yeah, that is the right choice, and my children won't feel a thing less loved. Like, oh, thank you. So, Priscilla, where can my listeners find you? Because oh. I I love your podcast, and I hey, if you got children out there, and women, you make sloppy progress, and you're not the perfect parent, which none of us are. Listen, none of us are. <laughs> none of us are. <laughs> and I put my hands up. I'm like, oh yeah, I should have done that. Oh dear. Yes. But I, do you know what the good things? At least we try. We were quite reflective and we check. 
or like, oh, that wasn't very nice. Oh, did I say that? Oh, I better take that back, you know. And, and I need to pay yeah. to, to do it again, to fix exactly, it. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So there. So where can my listeners find you? Any, any, any major podcast. Um, it's, it's all, all major podcasts, even on yeah. Facebook as well too. Um, and I, I hope just like with here with you, it's just this, this connection, but this, this community, you know, yeah. we, we may all see each other, but just to hear those same struggles, those same worries, those same feelings, it's like, yeah. oh my God, it's like getting a big hug or it's just like, you're okay. Yeah. You're, you're okay. going to get through this and you matter. Like, it's just, it's one of the best uh, self-awareness I've ever been on this, this journey, this podcast, yeah. you know, my husband said something earlier today. I was like, oh God, you know, I have to, I have to record with Miriam, but you have to go get your medicine. And you know, I'm, <laughs> maybe I'll just tell her we'll cancel. And he goes, I kid you not, Miriam. He said this, he said, he said, no, this is very important to oh, you. Yes. It can be. And, yeah. I, and I love that support because it's not just, oh, I'm just bored. I'm just going to hear myself talk on this microphone. Yeah. You know, it's just, I'm, it's not only my own little therapy, but in yeah. a tiny way, we're helping someone, you know, yeah. just. There's, like there's someone's going to be listening. They're going to completely relate to what you're yeah. saying. Somewhere far, somewhere, not in the UK, not in the US, somewhere, anywhere. Um, we do know you got your own podcast, the same as mine. And we know we're reaching listeners from, different countries you know we've never been or let alone spoken to anybody there and people are listening to us over there so and, and maybe the story yeah. maybe this conversation that we're having it'll give them a, a, cl a clearer view of their own relationship their situation and make they maybe they'll make a better choice than I did maybe yeah. they'll have that opportunity to mend that relationship with their yeah. family member friends so if it didn't work out that way for me Maybe it'll work out that way for so, someone else. That's, but most importantly, they can understand it's not life and death. It doesn't no, have to not. define you. And from what I'm getting from your stories, that just because someone rejects you, doesn't you don't have to reject yourself. It didn't kill me. Rejecting it's yourself is a choice and you don't have to reject yourself. And my motto is every day when we wake up, we have a chance to create the life that we want with the people that we want in our life. And in the smallest of ways too. Yeah exactly so that's my motto we wait every day is a new day that's what we call it the present and my thing is just because someone rejects me I don't have to reject myself it's a exactly. mindset and you can just it's not going to kill you right yep. we're still going to survive we're and we're still here <laughs> we're going to have someone that doesn't like us that may not like the way we laugh the way we say something whatever um that's down to them but it's the end of the day that last person is you yes <laughs> it is you mind. yeah and I often say um I know just before we we finish off it's um there's an analogy you know when you're in a in a plane and the the flight attendant is telling you that in case of emergency you have to put yeah. your mask on first etc right I think that's really important because they don't say to you put the mask on to the next person next to you not even no. your child they often say to you in case of emergency put your mask on first right because it's when we are able to survive, it's when we can save others. Where, uh, you know, you have to put the oxygen in yourself to make sure the others are okay. If you deprive yourself of that oxygen, how are the kids going to be okay? Yeah. How can we take care of someone if we can't take care of ourselves? And let oh. me tell you the lesson I am still trying to learn. My son's teacher told me that yesterday. It's yeah. okay. She said the same thing. She goes, how can you, you got to put the mask on yourself. And I'm looking at her like, yes, she's crap she's right I have to yes. put the mask on myself before yes. I get to my kids before and that's by by 
reminding those little self-love by, by doing that working out, by, yeah. by taking that time for myself, by putting even the tiny little boundary for my own children, for their sake and my sake. Yeah. I am promoting that self-worth and that self-love. So it's, yes, it's a problem. I love that. <laughs> and, and we should, and, and as women, sometimes we feel guilty. Have oh. you ever found yourself and you go like, so the kids have gone to school and you're sitting there and you're just like, oh, because we're so used to be running around. There's a household. There's yes. a kitchen, there's dishes. I mean, there's a million and one list. Even if it's not in front of us, it's in our mind. Yes. And we generally feel guilty just for sitting down. That's that was me today. I'm putting the baby to sleep and I'm watching my show and I'm sitting there for 45 minutes. I was like, that was oh just my, too long. I should have, I should have, I should have done this. I should have, oh, I yes. couldn't believe it. I'm like, I I'm know, working right? every day. Yes. And we are our word was, like, we're literally our own enemies when it comes to these oh, yeah. things. It's like, we're not doing enough. We're not doing enough. And I'm like, sometimes I have to put an inventory like, okay, this morning you da, 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 da. I'm like, okay, I woke up this morning. I did this. I, I, I worked after I took myself to cinema. I've come back. Da, 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 da. I'm like, you did enough. And even this week I was thinking, oh, I've been busy. And because the kids don't have term, they're off school. Every oh. single day has been filibuster with one activity after the next from <laughs> swimming to, That's to, hard. to, I mean, to, I don't think, is there anything I have not done this week from museum to exhibitions to jump oh on the train to going to the farm? But then it's okay to not Halloween. do Yes. You know, it's okay to just, just be, and I have to pull myself physically yes. on purpose yeah. that it's okay to not do anything right now and sitting it's okay. down it's okay <laughs> it's okay do you know what time i say you know i am gonna sit and i'm gonna have my cup of tea i am not gonna speak i'm not gonna do nothing in matter of fact the toys can stay there right yes they, they can stay there and you know what i <laughs> took my tea i sat down and i just watched television for like a good one hour with the toys around me and as yes. for the dishes, if nobody does them, because I'm the only one that does them, they can and stay there. I can sort them in the morning. <laughs> he constantly says, he goes, did you forget people live here? No, because this is a mess. He's like, people live here. Yeah. It shows that we're living here. Like, oh, yes, man. exactly. Sometimes I'm like, you know right. what? there's five people in this house. Only one yeah. person does the washing up 98% of the time. So you know what? <laughs> if it's not clean today, nobody's going to die. It's going to be fine. It's not the They're going to survive. Yeah. Oh, Priscilla, this conversation has been amazing. And thank you so You're much welcome. for sharing your story. I absolutely love it. And uh, I'm you. sure thank my listeners will love it sharing this. I so, hope so. Thank you so it. much. And I can't wait to have you on mine soon. Yay! No, <laughs> let me know. Girl, I've got plenty of stories. Yes, let's do it. <laughs> I've been a, a, a sloppy progress mom. And a wife, for that matter. Oh, I've got sure. I have stories to share. So for sure, I would love to be a guest. And thank, thank you so much. That is all for today's conversation with my amazing guest, Priscilla Conway. I hope you loved this conversation just as, as much as I did. I love the way she shared our story, the emotions and the ups and downs of everything. And most importantly, just how she's living with it daily today and what it taught her. Now, as I was editing this episode, I remember the words of Dr. Phil McGraw. I remember him saying once that no one can fix your life because life is something that you manage, not cure. And hopefully your life is for most part working okay. Now, those words resonated with me because when I was editing this and hearing Priscilla's story, because 
no one can cure what she had gone through. The only thing she can do was manage everything that was thrown in her way. So what are my other takeaway from this particular episode with Priscilla? Now, Priscilla shared that often she felt like she was walking on eggshells. She felt that she was misunderstood by her father. She felt like she was a secret, something that needed to be hidden. Priscilla went on to describe how it impacted how she related related to other people and how it impacted on her self-esteem and how it even reflected in how she engaged in relationship that pretty much reflect element of abandonment and pain. And Priscilla, at the moment, she's still working on healing and the idea of concept, you know, the idea of self-love. I'm pretty sure for most people who have gone through what Priscilla's gone through can resonate with everything that she's saying. So I hope you managed to take away something from this episode. Again, is Priscilla just simply sharing her story or estrangement? So that is all today. And guys, just remember, if you're going through estrangement, I have a private Facebook group that you're more than welcome to join. It's going to be on the show notes of this podcast episode. You're also able to find Priscilla on her own podcast, which I've included in the show notes as well of this episode. And you can also buy my forgiveness journal, which is available on Amazon. All these links will be put on the show notes. Okay, so thank you for listening. I do really appreciate it. And uh, I'll catch you guys next time on another episode. Thank you.